Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pit Stop, where we actually won't be talking about races. Instead, we'll be talking about the messy bitch Fia who actually deals with the races. Yeah, because when we first conceptualize these, we we obviously want to talk about modern races, but we also kind of see them as a way to tell you a little bit more about something maybe we wanted to put in a history episode, yeah. but we didn't have the time or it went on far too long to continue whatever we were talking about yeah. and just seemed like an abrupt tangent. So these are just tangents that have grown their own wings. <laughs> grown their own wings and we throw them out of a nest and if yeah, they fly, they fly. If they die, if they fly, they fly. If they die, they die. It's the way of the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, cruelty. And kind of like Fia, is she cruel? <laughs> she cruel. She's a cruel god. She's a cruel god. So I guess we're going to start with, I think, give a little brief history of how we got to the 50s Fia, 1950s Fia, because we kind of wanted to do an episode three, talk about how Fia was birthed into this world. Really? She didn't was even birthed. She just, like, went she, into a closet, like, changed her hat and, like, sauntered. Um, she cut bangs. She was, like, that yeah. white girl thing, like, I need she a new haircut. in the middle of a party and went and got bangs and came back and said, I'm a new person, and everybody went along with it. And saying like sure sure sure, like darlene you're in your person yeah because i feel like a lot of how um fia kind of goes through a lot of change within kind of like the late like 40s and stuff like that really and even into the 50s kind of explains some of the later problems so that she will be having yeah so So i guess the beginning is where the a i a c r so I always forget her abbreviation. She's, well, that's why we, call, we called her Yield Fia yeah, because we'll keep, we, it was a cop out. It was a cop out of not having to remember her actual name because yeah, who needs to? It was to? very French. <laughs> it was super French. So I guess like Yield Fia, when we mentioned episode one, started in 1906 because pretty much people started getting pissed off with the French. <laughs> And the French decided to make their own governing body to cover themselves. And they regretted that terribly, but still wanted to. But I guess, like, Yolfia had certain aspects she created. She wanted to pretty much create, like, consistent bodies of body of law for automobile throughout Europe. I guess because by the 1920s and 30s, a lot of European countries were trading with each other. Like, cars were a big thing, so you can actually move between different countries for vacation and for leisure activity as well. Because, like, a car was a socioeconomic aspect to it of like being able to travel and see things but having the power for yourself and i think fia pretty much started laying down the automobile rules throughout europe to allow that consistency so people can like go from france to germany or germany to belgium and like travel around without an issue and have yeah, a and consistent i feel like too kind of as well kind of promoting i guess the industry of the yeah. car since it was so new in that time i feel like like, like with the michelin yeah. guide of kind of like how do we promote cars to people as something that they will need in their lives you know like how do we market something new to them as something essential to them and I feel like when we look at kind of yield fia it very much kind of seems like them just like trying to like pull together all these separate auto clubs kind of like like almost like a gentleman's kind of club club. experience trying to pull them all together being like we have to agree about like three things like how are we for this to be able us to be able to meld between different countries easily so that the car does take off and there is some value we get from it there's like a consistency so if you buy a car in germany and you try to drive it in france it's like the french are not be like you can drive it there but it's like on there there's, there's a at con- least one french cop that said that yeah <laughs> to <Don't> lie <laughs> That's there's true. at least one in a border region that said no 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 no, no, no. 
and they were lying, but they wanted to do it. But it's like to have a consistency in how the car is built, but also like improves um, when you have a consistency, you can improve automation through that consistency yeah. and improve industry as well. Yeah, and I feel like especially if you have like car racing starting to go somewhere, you would like if you're racing on normal roads, you would like for you all to like have some idea of what you're doing and not just like mowing down pedestrians, <laughs> many people dying. I mean, all that happened, but they didn't want to have it happen consistently. Yeah, they were like, oh, maybe we can like try and like work with this. Maybe we so that we all agree that certain things mean the same thing. Yes, and I think that did help. But I guess it kind of got halted in a very abrupt way with World War II. And well, even before then, I would argue that FIA is always in a state of becoming. That's true. It's something else because I feel like there's always a transformative element because I guess, like we were saying, there's always that innovation push that then is pushing sports, pushing car travel that always... And regulation, too, pushing because you make something new and you need a new regulation, so I feel like it's always in flux. So even before we got up to World War II, we were already having them being like, even with in the um, Grand Prix yeah, sphere, then right. being like, we need to reevaluate the rules like so many years in a row, and then kind of it being left unsettled even by the outbreak of World you're War right. II. You're right, like they were beginning to gri- come to grips with some form of Formula One regulation, yeah. but that kind of how much would have changed if that war didn't happen and them having to evolve it because like the industry was just so advanced comparison to them trying to always catch up and yeah, like yeah i mean i think they've even um with some of the things we've read while we were researching it was saying that like the mercedes that they developed in the 1930s it would take decades for them to create once again a grand prix car that was that fast yeah which is like insane thinking that there's like a 1930s car that it took them like so many years of technology to like get close to again yeah so it's like obviously the people who are making the rules were just like throwing stuff at the wall going i hope this this slows you down because i don't know how safe this is yeah you're kind of entering the um jurassic park time of like just because you could did that mean you should have made it yes you kept asking yourself i can make dinosaurs but (laughs) should i make dinosaurs (laughs) jeff goldblum gets involved and is like it's like, what was his quote? I don't know. He was just hot in that movie. He was wearing all black, and he was really hot, and it was just like, oh, yeah. Well, I think the quote was that, like, science, like, asks itself, like, could it make it, not should, should it make, make it? it? Jeff Goldblum. Still, though, my favorite Jeff Goldblum film is Independence Day. I really like that movie. I don't know why. 1986. It's the aliens aspect. It's, like, the crazy aspect. It has multiple stories going on. It's a brilliant film, and it's completely underrated by modern standards. All right. Yeah. A horrible sequel, though. Don't watch the one made in, the, in 2019. <laughs> but I guess to continue after where we left off, it was like, like you said, the innovation kept on throwing. Fia tried to like throw, you'll feel try to throw a book at it. And then World War II broke out. And, it was and they were like, like, oh, I guess we gotta, we gotta leave. <laughs> we gotta leave. We gotta stop. And it was very interesting. I think you brought something interesting during World War II of Thank what you the for Germans were doing. A lot of the things I say are interesting. <laughs> No, but I think you brought something, um, I guess, FIA was not doing anything during World War II, but people were doing stuff to FIA oh, during World War II. was it my story about the FIA archives? Yes, which I think is um, a very... Yeah, because they're obviously, they're based in Paris. La 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 la. Exactly, exactly. Um, the exact noise that we need to accompany a mention of France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and pretty much within it, they kept, like, records of all the races and stuff like that. So, like, outcomes, I assume, like, times, which, you know, kind of makes sense. 
yeah. that you would want to keep records of sporting events yeah. in case there are questions and just for your own Personal. records and all that stuff like that. And pretty much there's a story that like during World War II and obviously when Paris fell to the Nazis, they actually went to FIA's headquarters and they started, went to the library where they're keeping all yeah. the records and they were like, pretty much, I guess, like forced someone to go get them some of the boxes that had like different records for different races where I think especially the Germans had not won and they pretty much were like we're just going to take these and so it's really interesting that like that would even be important to them that like they hadn't won a race and they were like we'll destroy the records of our own like I know failures failures and or like not winning because it's kind of like Fria wasn't free because during that time the Nazis were doing that to other the Germans were doing that to other destroying um, like art yeah archives well also books you know there's a yoke in there somewhere they were destroying a lot of historical records but also making very accurate historical oh they were so good at that and that was their downfall when it comes to so uh, many the, trials. Um, archival profession, it's kind of a joke that where it's like terrible, terrible people, great record keepers yeah. of their own terrible events, though, which, yeah. as you said, did not end well for them. Did not end well for them, was used very much against them, but thankfully a lot of people like nowadays can use it to also learn what happened during that time because, and like amount of people they killed because they really like detailing that part. Yeah, so it is interesting, I'm um, going back to Fia, yeah. kind of that like, even though like they're kind of, it's supposed to exist as like a neutral body. Yeah. That, like it was still important for like a army to go to their headquarters were, yeah. going, I have business here. And they're like, I what? have business with the historical record of this sport. Yeah. Kind of like any art, uh, same like with the Louvre during that time, same with a lot of like art installations where you feel like this place has some form of neutrality, but to a political party that wants to destroy certain mention of their failures yeah. or other people's Successes. success, they want to yeah. kind of obliterate it and no longer becomes yeah, a neutral which I mean, party. It is a powerful thing to go in and pretty much be like, we are not only writing the current history, but we are going to go back and we're going to say that like, this didn't happen or these yeah. people weren't here. But that is another other soapbox rant. Um, so I guess we should probably then move go, to move the to rebranding of FIA after the war. Yeah, so 1945, when we mentioned in episode three, races kind of didn't start up again until 1946, but we had the one race. But Fia did come back until 1946, where she mm-hmm. twirled around and said, she, like, yield off her hat, yes. like her hair fell down. She was like, I'm new. I'm, I'm interesting. You. She went in like a drunk girl, got bangs, came out and said, my name is Deborah." And, and they were like, like, is it? She's like, calm it over now. And everybody's like, okay, as okay. long as you don't cry. <laughs> and she just starts crying because she's been through a lot. Yeah. But I guess in this aspect comes with Fia, A, having to deal with creating regulations in an environment where a lot of industry was destroyed, like a lot of car industries was destroyed, and like, how do you rebuild something that no longer exists or is not no longer exists but has to is now stagnant and you have to go back to your old rules and but you also have to allow innovation and i think those five years they were also which was interesting being reviewed by the un to become like a non-profit entity and collaborator with the un I think that was the aspect that was really interesting during this time as well. Was it during the 50s or during the the 40s? I believe going into the 1950s. Yeah, so that was very interesting because um, I think two very interesting things happened to them in who 
they wanted to join and what the UN wouldn't allow initially than what the UN would allow after some years. Before getting to that, it's also interesting to point out that while we were kind of talking about how the early origins of FIA kind of place it maybe more as like a gentleman's auto club kind of relationship where they kind of all knew each other. They all maybe shared similar. It was the bros. It was the boys. They were like drinking like a nice claret in like a billiards room. Like, I don't know. And singing, drinking, smoking, drinking cigars. obviously we're all kind of maybe more like similar people who shared slightly similar values or similar ideas. Very wealthy individuals who say. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we kind of enter the post-war period, by that point, racing has grown so much into so many different countries are involved now. So by the time they're kind of doing this rebrand into FIA, um, they kind of have all of these different constituents to answer to in some ways that they didn't maybe imagine that they would have. And they kind of have to serve more masters. You're right. Because more people want bigger pieces of the pie than maybe had like 40 years ago. They weren't real. Not to say they weren't important, but... To Fia, maybe they weren't as important, but now yeah. they're like, I am a huge share of the, of, pie. Of the pie, and I think I should have it. Get pretty a much, say now. they became their idea of a neutral entity is slowly crumbling, but they still think they should be a neutral entity during that <laughs> day, time, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and I guess just kind of that inherent now power struggle of you have so many different people now kind of all vying for a voice in your organization when earlier maybe it had been more similar voices kind of talking to yeah, you. Yeah, we're. And no now longer. it's people who want all different things and have all different problems. Because now, like, during, after the post-war period has so many different political... What's the word? Actually, political alignments, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and I have a, even have a quote from um, one of the things I read where it's pretty much saying, in the post-war period, FIA's desire to maintain autonomy led to the inability to reinvent the org to better meet the fundamental aims, which I feel like sums up that whole period for of me. Like, yeah, they pretty much failed to do what they wanted to do because yeah, they had appeased a lot of shareholders. Yeah, and I feel like um, with a lot of, as we'll get into further in the show and even further here, I feel like kind of their, their the time in which they were founded in that kind of geopolitical situation they found themselves yeah. in, in the actions they took, like they make sense kind of, but then also you can completely see where their other issues are going to grow out yeah, of it. Of like why they made certain choices because at the end of the day, they didn't they were being pretty much puppeted by other people to make those choices. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. Um, I sure, as you were kind of leading into earlier as well, of like when you're entering this post-war yeah. period, like who do you let in? Because yeah. um, as we'll talk about later in this, like Germany pretty much got banned from racing for a little bit. No, no, um, they were like, you got one look full of too much. My <laughs> they're like, you know why. You know why. I don't have to explain to you. Ye, the Nazi thing was a big thing. Yeah, and I found it really really interesting then with kind of um which i feel like probably yeah. sum up these complicated feelings they had about wanting to be a unit un entity but then wanting to be an autonomous body kind of i think kind of like, like the they kind of want to be the olympic committee kind of in some ways where they're supposed to be self-regulating and everything but you're but like I, that doesn't exist self-regulation never exists unless yeah, there's another body regulating found, um, you the kind of the germany issue became really interesting i feel like when you're looking at fia of like of them being like how do we allow germany back in like what form will we let them take because obviously the i believe it was even the hungarian delegate um pretty much went to them and they were like you can't have the same auto club come back and they were a nazi organization and they're still nazis too a lot of them are still Nazis. yeah because they're actually two german auto clubs um they're like well we should pick the other auto club which sidebar i guess both auto clubs still exist they just run different events in germany that's what i came across 
that's a lot to unpack there. But okay. Yeah. No, because I guess one of them runs like the GP and the other one runs, I think, like more like rallying or like endurance. Oh. Which is interesting that both still, like, I guess neither one really won out over time, which is interesting. That is interesting, but, um, yeah. But yeah, and it kind of became an interesting question. I'm kind of like, what do we do with these people? That's true. And then I guess obviously later on, like, with Spain as well, where they're like, what do we do with this? And the UN was like, do something. Do what we kind of tell you to do. Um, yeah, the, German, the Germany one. Did the Germany one first happen and then the Spanish one? Or it doesn't really matter the word? I was just going to talk. I feel like they're both, um, they're both nebulous time. Neb- fascist nebulous entities. So yeah. pretty much with the German one, there was two, as you said, two auto clubs. I don't know the name of them, but one was pretty much before the war. It was pretty much run by Nazis. Like, Nazis were like, we're going to start this. And then the other one was actually run by individuals who did not support the fascist regime, did not support the Nazi power, and ended up um, getting attacked by them. And like, what's the other word when you're attacked by an entity that, like a political entity that doesn't agree with you, like a political government entity? I don't know the word, but they pretty much like the the because they were like the persecuted German, persecuted. Yes, they were persecuted by the Nazi Party, and a lot of them were put in prison. I'm happy everything. to be a dictionary over here. Thank you. My brain doesn't work like that. Uh, my brain does not know words, but. Uh, they pretty much had a Sophie's choice, but the Sophie's choice was easy. But pretty much they had a choice of like choose the non-Nazi or the Nazi. And they pretty much <laughs> ended up choosing the Nazi one. I forgot the reason why. Was it because they want or they ended up choosing both of them, didn't they? Yeah, I think they I were think just so. Like, they allowed they wanted because in their I minds like they the, wanted also I feel like by the time they got there, they're like, We have so many other things going on. Just yeah. get just get back in, go in through the side door. Don't yeah. make eye contact. Sit at your seat. Yeah, but it was also this idea of them wanting to be like, oh, we want to enter. We still want to be politically neutral. We don't want to take into account the issues in the time because we don't want to be a political entity. But I think by making choices like this, you choose a side and you pretty much choose a side that you become compliant with certain things and certain actions that the individual did. And by trying to sweep it under the rug, you kind of ignore the trauma that they cause to people. So that was one interesting aspect to this dilemma, to this Schrodinger's cat dilemma. I don't know. I wanted to bring in Schrodinger's cat again. How is it Schrodinger? I don't know. It's not. It's not a very good metaphor. But the second (laughs) item was the Spanish um, Yeah, I actually found it. Oh, the German one? Yeah, but it was um, in 1947, FIA wanted Uh to um, meet with the UN and pretty much serve as like a NGO consultant thing. But the um, nonprofits are always very sketchy, in my opinion. Yeah, they pretty much had like a four-year or five-year gap to vote on their NGO status with the UN to become like a a consultant and to do it they wanted to i think it became not with the not with not german team but with the spanish team um via wanted the spanish um automobile club to join actually was that the spanish club was already a part yes yes and the un pretty much said to them you need to can't be a consultant if you have a fascist as part of your organization if that if they're a member and so it kind of became this issue for FIA of like they didn't want the UN kind of telling yeah. them what to do because they're like I am autonomous you 
I don't want you telling me who can't be part of my group. But then they're like, I also the want that pol- sociopolitical power being attached to the UN yeah. and getting this presence to be able to set these kind of regulations and being the top, I think being the top dog of like, yeah. if you're attached to the UN, that's a lot of power then yeah. when you're making choices. And I assume when you're talking with international clubs and doing international racing, like you probably want to be connected to it. international body that's makes things a lot easier to slide around yeah and them at the same time wanting to become a almost like a non-profit like consultation entity also makes them the idea of like they want to be politically autonomous is that the word politically no more politically neutral yeah yeah and with i think the spanish it was more the idea they need to they needed to figure out like like the Germans a backdoor to have them. Yeah, we're always kind of like Theo wanted to be political without being, being political, political. And I think it was um, it stretched on for kind of like a while of going back yeah. and forth. But I think it was eventually resolved. But I think pretty much like the UN or one of them being like, we're worried about communism, so we're just gonna let. I think. I believe they let Spain in through saying that, like, the Spanish Auto Club was not independent, but was not directly in relation to the Spanish government. Which is the Franco regime, yeah. Yeah, it was not a government organization. It was kind of like its own commercial thing. So they were like, it can come in. We found a loophole to let Spain stay. Which, in reality, that was a joke when the National Automobile Club was an entity part of the Franco regime but it's in and but it also was like had to tie into the red panic setting in after the 50s where they were willing to be okay like Europe was willing to be okay with these dictatorships as long as they aligned with like more capitalist or like non-communist values so they were willing to be okay with like fascism as long as it was not outside the realm as long as they weren't leaking out to other countries i think that was fine and which is an interesting thing because that's kind of like what happened in other places in the u.s and europe where it was pretty much like as long as you're not communist we don't care the shit you do because as long as your weird entity does align with our weird entity which is like more anti-communist we're okay to let you in so i think with spain kind of resolve itself and by it resolving itself in that way they finally i think the un voted on via becoming a non-profit consulting form firm to the un Mm -hmm. and that's how it kind of started getting its roots and its grasp into the political power it has as this quote-unquote neutral entity which isn't quote-unquote neutral at all Yeah, so it's very interesting how she evolved. And also it's very interesting how she is now, where she's saying how she is now is this weird hybrid entity, which is like a corporation mixed with the NGO, which is oxymoron itself. And but and has these serious conflicts of interest where it's like... Conflicts of interest don't exist in F1, everybody knows that. Yeah, they totally don't. <laughs> everything everything is fine because they, people say it's fine. Everything it's is how fine. it works, right? Yeah. You just say it's not a conflict of interest and that isn't. Yeah, if you say it's not a conflict of interest, it's hard enough. It's like Beetlejuice. So if you yeah. say it three times, it does. It goes away. It goes away. It doesn't pop up. It goes away. Actually, yeah. that that seems real. So I feel like that interesting and yeah, because like the way corporations work, you actually have to have under modern like U.S. and EU standards, a, a, a external body come in and lay out like 
um, what do you call it, corporate governance for you. You have to have a corporate governance inside your company to make sure there's no conflict of interest, to make sure nothing illegal or sketchy is being happening. And pretty much Fiat doesn't have that, but it is tied to Formula One and all of these other motorsport um, entities that make billions of dollars off of their fans and off of the industry, yet it is, quote unquote, this has to not have a corporate governance by law attached to it. But if because if you're a corporation by law and EU standards, you have to have a corporate governance clause, like not clause, what's the word? Not laws, a policy. Now, like, tell me why you're saying clause, you're doing clause. I'm doing, I'm doing um, the lobster clause, but with um, corporate governance policy. And they don't have that. They can pretty much choose to have a corporate governance policy or they don't, but they don't have to prove it to anybody that they actually have it, which is very concerning because that's the issue with a lot of companies in the early 2000s and before this started corporate governance idea started happening where all these companies were like, we're going to do whatever we want because fuck off, look at of interest. It's pretty much like Enron. It's pretty much like the dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. They were doing what they want, but they were also like having serious conflicts they, like, of interest. they like skating by drinking beer going, none of my actions have consequences? <laughs> exactly. Until they fold yeah. and they <laughs> Hit, they hit the curb and they fall over and they break their arm. They go, oh, consequences. Oh, no. That's it. Quit much it. But that's kind of like the line Fia is skating on. Yeah. But it seems like she's been skating on it like a crack addict for 60 years. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen. Because it seems like she's found her middle ground. It's just mm-hmm. her middle ground is sketch. Yeah. And I also think it's, um like I was saying earlier, I feel like um kind of a lot of the later issues we see with her are kind of inherent to that construction of her in the 40s especially when we kind of look at um which i'm really excited to talk about later on um (laughs) i was gonna say it and then the sound was fiscafoca i had a moment where i was like i don't i'm like i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say something else we're gonna say something else but keep on going down that line (laughs) yeah that um pretty much in late 40s they were kind of thinking about the championship and kind of did take a very kind of like we're gonna it became increasingly central to FIA to be upholding these sporting codes and regulations yeah. kind of thing with the CSI, who's going to become a star. She's a star later. in her own um, right. Within that kind of debate of, like, kind of who, who gets a say in what. Yeah, and, so, like, who... So I find it really interesting how, like, the fault lines are already there. It's yeah. just, like, what opens them within the sport. Yeah, because, like, in those ends, like, the constructors and the drivers want more say and Fia's like no I want all the power she's Gollum holding the ring she's like my precious she's like, my precious why should I not keep why should I not keep rig it's you oh, it's you holding a Pierre Gasly card going why should I not have this <laughs> I oh, yeah, when like I got your present and like I had to open it being like I'm because I got you two sets of stickers but they sent me two sets of Pierre Gasly signs and I was like I want one of the Pierre Gasly postcards signed and the other one I should give to you so I didn't tell you it until today because I thought it was evil of me to keep one of them and you I were like what the hell is wrong with you Yovana I no cares <laughs> I, was, I was like I was gonna give it to you anyway there were two but anyway that's the golem brain I live in yeah <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. And, yeah, which was Fia is Gollum. She wants to control in the early years. She was wanting to control that power in that sense, which mm-hmm. makes when, sense. Yeah, it's like I mean, some 
It's also felt like a power vacuum where it's like someone's got to be telling people what to do. Yeah, you're right. As, and I think especially, um, which we didn't talk about, it was also like still doing automotive things. Like, what do you do with borders after the war? That's true. Like someone... Someone kind of needs to like, be getting these people in a room together to hash this out. So like, it's like, you're right? How do you allow? Because like allowing easy travel between borders, yeah. ensures economic, yeah. growth and yeah, stability. And a lot of these countries were suffering after yeah. the war from kind of these many wounds, oh. many wounds of many styles. So it is kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah. We're obviously we're like yeah she made a lot of errors in or at least what we see is just like these weird moves to yeah. try and like do this but then it's also like there was a bit there something was gonna rise yeah. out of this space and she makes sense she makes sense because she for was what pre- form she took yeah especially that she existed beforehand and it's pretty much she tried just to rebrand to like have more power in yeah. that space and take the power vacuum yeah. that was there because she knew what she needed yeah, to do. Yeah, that there were people obviously that were like, well, we don't know what all that's now. And she was just like, is this my moment? Is this my time to shine? shine? Create rules and regulations for automobiles. Oh my God. For is road regulations. That's a love to Join shit. up with the touring people. Oh la la. Exactly. And that's kind of like how she evolved from this weird space of like post-war era to this weird... Uh, "Quote unquote attempt to be politically neutral by her, but her yeah. choices. Then, then getting in a bar fight for like a decade and a half yeah. with her own sport. Yeah. Uh, then growing out of that, she <laughs> making some promises. She made some promises she could not keep, but she like Ari from 90 Day Fiance promised she'd come back to Ethiopia. Think she she would, but we know she ain't coming back to Ethiopia. Sometimes you gotta lie to others and yourself, and you both have to believe it in that moment. Yeah, and then kind of like where she is now where she is tempted to be quote unquote politically neutral to all the issues going around but choosing certain yeah like things it makes, to do it makes, it makes sense. sense the gp she is added to the schedule given how she was born into this world in 1946 like saudi arabia she, being a great example consistent. yeah like saudi arabia being a great yeah. example where she's like we're willing to ha- Hide what you're to do. Pass some things for a greater mission we see in our own eyes, perhaps. Because everybody's the hero in their own story. Yeah. And And I'm sure for their story, it's I'm looking past some stuff for a greater goal, but like we're like. No, I don't think we should be looking against a whole nation doing questionable um, humanitarian choices in regards to what she does. But okay. Okay, Pia. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but that's all stuff we'll be uh, getting into more as we continue on weaving her into the story. But we just felt like it was important to take a little aside to explain where she came from and how she was birthed in that um, 1940s Convoluted. birthing in the 1940s period because I yeah. think that explains her moving forward in the 50s and yeah. this weird middle ground socio-political middle ground she's trying to take in a divided world because it's really hard to how do you uh, Europe's divided between yeah. east and west and how mm. do you walk that middle line yeah so we're gonna unpack that later on in our yeah this is just a little aside we got a little bored we didn't give you some other pit stops but we're like let's give it let's give the people something let's give them something (laughs) all right and on that note (laughs) on that note goodbye